everyone and welcome back to Shadow Light. Um, thanks for joining us as we navigate the big issues on your feed, moving from apathy and overwhelm to collective action and hopeful pathways forward. I'm Zoe. And I'm Larissa. And in this episode, uh, we're really trying to wrap up this series because we said we're moving to hopeful pathways forward. So we want to make sure uh, we do just that. And we wanted to reflect on the episodes that we've had so far, um, some of the places we've found hope, some of the themes that we've covered, how they all connect, all of that good stuff. And so, yeah, come along for the journey with us. And as ever, um, let us know what you've thought by contacting us on socials, our email address, all that good stuff. Um, so we know what you're thinking too, because this is going to be our thoughts on the series. Um, where do we even start? Yeah, I feel like it's almost for my, my, like ourselves as well, because like, I think we started this by being like, yeah, we'll combat over them. And then we did like six, how many episodes have we done now? Eight, like really big, beefy topics that interlink so much. But sometimes we don't have time when we're like in the episode or talking to guests to like really dig into some of those interconnections and like drawing that stuff about like how these challenges are so interlinked and how we can find like leverage points for change that have like multiple benefits across systems. And again, we're not going to like have like a clear action plan on how to tackle all of these issues in a one round off episode. But I think it is useful to like just carve out some time for my own brain as well to be like, oh my gosh, this is all linked. These are things that we can do and like actually really do what we set out to do and be like, this isn't as overwhelming as we think it is. There are ways through this. Yes, I don't know. Where do we even begin? I feel like I kind of thought about like three different things that I felt like were themes that came up throughout. I don't know about about, about you, how you kind of... And also, I didn't listen to all of our episodes again because I just can't bear the sound of my own voice that much. So this was notes I was taking throughout. Yeah, I don't know how you thought about it. Okay, you've done it in that way. I've got a few things that are like actions that it's pushed me to as the series. So hit me, hit me with what you got. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to hear how you... We do a one-one. Let's pass the mic. Yeah, okay. I'm... One of the things I felt like it was a real theme throughout all of it well, throughout many of the episodes was which but I think really like was articulated well by by um Andrew in, in the solar punk episode is that so many of us are fighting fires on the ground like so many movements are fighting fires on the ground that we don't have the capacity to imagine systems outside of the ones that already exist and that's where we always end up reforming systems and, and then finding ourselves back where we were before I feel like that's so true of the castle feminism episode of us only thinking about how we can solve like sexual assault by the police. I feel like it was so true of the food sovereignty episode of the why the police in our schools episode. Like things are like so bad that the people who are being affected the most don't have the capacity to imagine anything different. And I just thought that was really interesting about being like, and this is actually links back to a lot of the work that you have done in the kind of like decolonizing schools movement, which is like, actually fighting for those most affected on the ground to have the time and space to not only imagine different, but to be part of solutions, even if that is not at a big scale, but a local scale, it just seems to be just such a through narrative for some of these massive problems. I don't know if that was something that you have felt, but that I feel like we just kept coming back to this like capacity to imagine we don't have the resource to propose new ways of being and like that for me is just I don't know something to think about definitely and I'm really glad that you mentioned the solar punk episode for being a really big catalyst for that thought because I found that too like quite deeply so after I listened I went away and listened to I uh, read sorry the um solar punk manifesto and what I found so 
interesting about it that even though it's so imaginative, it is also so solutions oriented and actually very practical. And I think often when people hear the word imagination or dreaming or, you know, anything in this sphere, they think it's kind of being away with the fairy and they're kind of like, oh, we don't have time for that. We've got some real stuff to deal with. And the reason that imagination for me is is almost the the core part of any movement is because if you don't have that kind of beacon of what you're fighting for, you don't have that collective vision of what it is you're fighting for, fighting against gets so exhausting. It gets so, you can just keep going around in circles and I don't know, in the student movement and youth movement space at least, it almost feels like you're constantly fighting the same fight and then going back to square one because they, you don't know what people fought for before you and yada 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 and I think that also happens intergenerationally within broader movements and I just yeah I was just so excited to see that because that was actually one of the things that we were clear about when we set up the Free Black University if people have heard of it I was one of the founding members of that at the time I'm not part of it anymore but it was all about how do we practically fight for something that is bold and imaginative and brave and nothing to do with what we currently know as a university. But being able to do that and loads of different issues that we've we've covered in, in this series, but also all the other interconnected movements, just the idea that that is possible was really exciting to me. So yeah, big agree that that's one of the big themes. And just jumping off of that for a second, because solar punk is, is in my mind right now, that was one of the episodes that really pushed me to action, actually. After that episode, I was just reading and I was, you know, I was just doing what I was doing. And it, I think the reason it pushed me to action so swiftly is because it affirms something that's been on my spirit for a minute, which is that I really want to start growing, growing my own food. So that one and the food sovereignty one together, I was like, look, it's time. We're doing it. It's happening. And then folks who know me know that I've just on the way back from South America stopped by St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is like the little tiny island in the Caribbean where my dad grew up. And I was visiting my granny and other family and stuff. And she was there in her garden. Let me tell you something, yeah. She's got her mango tree. She's got her coconut tree. She's got her pear tree, which for any non-Caribbean folks, that's avocado, but it's called pear, okay? That's all I'm saying. And then she's growing edo. She's growing scythe, which is like green onion. She's growing cabbage going pepper I was thinking look this is the time and so she's told me that for the UK weather I've got to start growing what she said she said I've got to start growing cabbage lettuce I think it said tomato and carrots so this is I'm saying this for accountability purposes as well okay if if you don't see me growing then there's a problem because I've committed to it now because between those two episodes I was like it's time to start being practical about this so I'm growing food. Everyone can't eat at my yard from my fresh food once it's grown. Give me a few months in it. I don't know how long these things take, but yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. That is so true. And it's such a through line. And like, you can even link it back to like the climate anxiety episode where it's like being in nature and also like quality time in nature, not like I'm running through the park, <laughs> like actually spending time nurturing, working with soil, seeing how the plants change is like so good for your brain. And like, I really want to shout out because I'm always, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm such a like inside girly. Like I'm not a nature girly. I like lo- I like being outside, but I'm more of a like inside girly. Like I always say, I'm like an indoor environmentalist, and I'm so I'm always like I don't have like a garden, I don't have like space, like I don't have like I live in London, like blah, 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 blah. I don't have like that 
time to like grow food. And like, actually that is such a lie I keep telling myself. And I've been working with, shout out Marcus Bernard, who I collaborated on a project called um, Black Earth Resistance, Anti-Racism and the Environment, who's running a project at the moment where he's like, how do we overcome this issue of people who have like all this ancestral, like, or cultural knowledge about growing, specifically like, black and brown folks in the UK who also correlate with people who often have like lack of access to gardens or don't feel comfortable in like the white rural British countryside like how do we transform that conversation so he's like developing this app which is all around like like using your window ledge as a, as a garden and like transforming these spaces in your house as a garden and like using that to think about cultivating food and like herbal medicines and stuff like that so I just want to shout him out I know he does sometimes listen to this uh, but he's working on that at the moment and I feel like that's a really you don't have to have a massive garden to like grow things and care about nature and grow food. Urbanites, we can do it as well. Even if we say that we can't, we can. So yeah, shout out Marcus. Big things coming soon. Love that. I'm so excited for the app. Yeah, it's going to be cool. That's going to be so good. Hit us with another theme that you're thinking. Okay, well obviously like at the end of every episode, I'm like, I hate big tech. It seemed like kind of by accident. I don't know if that is just the way of the world now, but it feel like every single episode came back to being like, oh my God, how do we wrangle with big tech and how it's so unregulated, how it seems to have more power than states at the moment, how it's insidiously working its way into our schools, into our homes, into our dating lives. Like, it's kind of wild. And I feel like, I don't, again, I don't know if I have much hope for it, but what I was thinking about is like how... Um, I was reading something recently about how Grindr, which is like a, a dating app, like a hookup app, fired its a lot of its workers recently for unionising um, around workers' rights. And it just like really drew a parallel for me through the kind of like, is big tech ruining our dating lives? How tech masquerades as being like, you know, this like pristine, progressive, liberal kind of front and actually has all of these kind of like dark anti-worker, like built off the backs of exploitation um, which we really covered in our episode, which dug deep into Apple as well. And I just kind of feel like uh, this is always going to be one, but like join a union, like join a union. Like some of these, the only way that we have power is in the collective. And I know this is so obvious, but I just feel like we have to mention it. Like even if you're, I've just seen so many of my friends also just been shafted in work recently and they weren't part of a union even then. I was like, we must, we have to join unions because it's just like the only power that we have as a collective against some of these, these huge Goliath organisations. And there's brilliant work happening out there with like Apple workers that are unionising and these grinder workers that are unionising and just like, however we can support those people like on the floor doing that is probably the best chance we've got of holding some of these cases to account. No, it's so funny that you say that because one of the actions that I have down is around unearthing union movements historically and presently. Because, you know, shout out to the new Shadow TikTok. If you don't know, get to know. We are both doing TikTok series at the moment, along with a bunch of the other editors in the Shadow team. And my series is going to be all about, like, movements. And I realised as I was going through the list of stuff that I'd done, a lot of them were grassroots movements, but not necessarily connected to unions. And similarly, like, I was thinking about the big tech episode and, like, everything, particularly that you unearthed uh, around worker exploitation happening and how that connects to the things that we use every single day. And it was that episode and the food sovereignty episode and a number of them that made me think we are so disconnected from the people who make our day-to-day lives possible, that literally to function, to 
to pick up your phone, to message someone, I was about to say to call someone, but what, how old am I? Anyway, to message someone, like, to whatever, like, to eat the food that we eat, to, you know, just to do basic things, like, we're not engaging with the reality of whose labour was necessary to make that possible. So yeah, I've decided that I need to do some more work to find some um, union movements to talk about in that series, because I've really been thinking about that, and I think a lot of us as well, or at least more and more of the people that I know, are not necessarily in, like, traditional careers, quote-unquote, or jobs with that stable union environment, and I think, so it's more important now, I think, than even before, that we're talking to people, talking to our friends, talking to our communities about what it means to be part of a union. So that's really funny that we both had that on our list in different ways. But it's so true, though, I, I like, we all, like, are now, like, oh, you know, people are like, I sort of do this and do that, and I work remote, and, like, da, 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 and, like the, the labour market is changing, and, like, I know people are out there doing really good work to figure out how unions work in that context as well, when you're, like, a union of freelance creatives, or, like, union, like, in different forms, and, like, I, obviously, like, we can look at the the strikes happening in, like, SAG and the Hollywood writer strikes, about, like, being lots of decentralised workers coming together to hold, hold, an all in, hold a whole industry to account, um, it's like a really like I'm they're doing so amazing work and they've been striking for so long like talk about solidarity like it's it's, it's such a sick example um, and because it's Hollywood it's always gonna get more attention so it's like it's just like a really sick example to look to to think about like how when you've got like a young workforce people are like kind of working in like the hospitality industry or like creative industries especially here in the UK like they're not necessarily often the most unionized sectors and like part of the work about getting people to have better working conditions in the UK and, and it's like educating people around how unions can benefit them because I think actually there's quite a lot of people who think it's actually going to be a drag on my time in my pocket and like there's work out there to be like that you, when you talk about your movement series I'm really excited for that because I think it's really important that we like learn our our histories to inform what we do next definitely and I think we often take the things that unions have done for granted completely you know every time someone reposts that list of unions did this for us and unions did this for us and without unions we wouldn't have this I'm always like wow it's so true but then I'm just going about my day-to-day life like da 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 like obviously forgetting that a lot of the things that we have and the rights that we have are because huge numbers of people came together for to fight for them and yeah even like I was traveling with a friend and I was like and we were talking about the weekend and how it's not long enough and, you know, shout out to the four-day week campaign. But yeah, I, and I was I was just like, yeah, well, we wouldn't even have a weekend if, if it wasn't for people fighting for it. And she was like, what? And I had to like explain that like people literally used to work seven, well, six and a half days a week. And she was like, no flipping way. So I think a lot of people don't even know that. More times people are just like, yeah, of course we have, of course we have weekends. But it's not just because it was. Like, that was fought for, but yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? I was just had the exact same conversation with my friend who's, like, super right on politically, and she was just getting a bit annoyed at the train strikes, and, like, da 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 and I was like, I was like, we've got to back the unions every single day, even when it's annoying for us, because that's why we've got a weekend, and she was like, what? Like, I didn't know that that was how we had a weekend, and it's like, we the weekend is the most blessed, the most blessed, our weekends, our sick pay, our holidays, like, that's what we live for, like, we have to be, like, backing them to the absolute end. And so, yeah, it's just little things like that. Like, people, we do need to, like, talk about it more. I think, especially as young people, there's a responsibility for us as the workforce is changing, I think, to try and, like, again, you talked about before, that intergenerational knowledge, like, pass it down, disseminate it. Like, it's important and it's build strong movements. So, yeah, for sure. What Do you have any any more actions or anything that you had kind of taken away from the season? 
Yes. Okay. So this is just this is a small one, but I just think a, a number of the episodes for me just reminded me that I, I guess it's quite similar to what I was saying before about imagination. But it is so important to keep sight of the fact that another world is possible. Like even when we were talking about you know in in the food sovereignty episode, the fact that so many of the sustainable systems that are the alternative to the industrial food system have existed. Um, for far longer than this current system you know even in the health justice episode when we were talking about those different campaign groups on the ground within the people's health movement who are doing that work to fight for you know this liberated health vision and of course for me like liberated education is something I've always cared about so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna my friends don't know I'm roping them into this, but once I move back up to Coventry, because I'm a West Mids girl these days, I want to get some people over and just like create like literally a visual vision board, um, because I want something in my space that is constantly reminding me of what we're fighting for, because I feel like it's so easy to get tired, especially in this UK. I don't know, like when I was in South America, I felt more energy. <laughs> it was just coming back up like, oh. So I want something that is going to instill and like reify the energy that I need so yeah I'm <laughs> my friends do not know they're getting roped into this but I'm going to create something physical something visual that keeps me energized because I think we all we all have to do things both for ourselves but also for one another as a community that remind us that different is possible I don't want to get bogged down in the day-to-day I don't want to like lose that energy I just want to bottle it almost like bottle all of the things that I've learned this year like from how in Chile there was always music in the movement spaces and you know in Argentina like the ways that people kept black culture alive through like festival energy spaces and like I don't know like I just want some way to like bottle that have it in my space and like keep engaging with it I don't know, it's a bit cheesy. I'm just feeling a little bit reflective because I'm coming to the end of a long journey and I'm just like, oh, how do I keep this alive? I don't think it's cheesy though because I think it's actually really hard to be like, I feel hopeful and I feel optimistic every day, especially when you're working with people who, or like not even working with people, especially when people are like, it will never happen, like thinking that way is, is stupid and unrealistic. Like, does it, like I feel like all the conversations I've tried to have about radical imagination, like it starts with people being like, you're Delulu, like you're literally Delulu. And you're like, what I've got from this podcast is like, we've had four amazing speakers this season. All four of them are even better communicators because they understand the radical potential of something different. Like they all root their activism and have become better and communicators, campaigners with a more well-rounded politics and able to communicate in that such a clear way because they're not just thinking about fighting what's going wrong in the present. They are, they have been like, okay, let's overhaul all of it. What would it look like? And, like, I felt like when we, the, the last episode we did, I was just thinking about, like, how Avia's journey and how she was, like, I didn't realise. And then once it clicked that the police weren't the solution, it just transformed her ability to, to diagnose and understand the problems and the solutions. And so I feel like I'm trying to remember that as well. Like, when people are like, you're Delulu, you're a child, like, you're silly, like, it's like, no, there are, like, brilliant campaigners and communicators out there who root their politics in this, and I'm just trying to be like them. And I think that really speaks to, like, the power of, I don't know, what we're trying to do at Shadow as well, which is, like, shine a light that, like, campaigning movements and arts need to be hand-in-hand because creativity is such a vehicle for us being able to imagine in that way. And, like, 
all the like solar punk literature that Andrew mentioned, but also just like all of the amazing illustrators at Shadow and like all of the work that they do outside of what they do at Shadow, like is all about like rooting themselves in community and change and using that art as a vehicle for imagination as well. And I just think, yeah, back to the Shadow, the Shadow motto, like it, it's really important to harness creativity and culture as a as a strategic tool as well. And that's your vision board. Your vision board is strategic tool for love. Yeah, honestly, and I was also thinking after the dating episode, like, I know it was super lie and stuff, but I was also thinking about, like, radical love and, like, what does it mean to build that into our day-to-day in a society where you just don't get the time, the space to to really think about that. And I just, that's why I'd like for it to not just be something that I create, but something that I create with other folks who are willing to find me in poetry. Um, <laughs> like, if my friends are going to get the train, then we can make it happen. If they're not, then I guess it'll just be me and the folks that still live in Cov, because, yeah. You do a jam board online. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, that's a good idea. Man. A radical, a radical imagination of the future jam board. That's so, that's so funny. You should do that. May- maybe. Let me think about this. I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready to get my vision board going. I'm ready to get my little gardening lifestyle going. I'm ready to be doing things differently. And I'm so glad that we've had this series because it's just got me like to re-engage with things that I've often known about. Some things that were new to me, some things that were like old, coming back to old friends, you know, and just be like, it's time, we got this. Like, we can do this. Yeah, I'm, my brain has been totally expanded by this. I've really enjoyed it, and, like, it's really fun. And I feel like, I mean, I kind of think we already knew we were going to come up with more questions than answers, but I feel like we've got so many more questions that we'd like to answer that tie in and can bring some of this stuff together as well. And there's one last thing that I wanted to say is, like, I, that I felt was a theme that I've come out really, like, impassioned and action-driven on, which is housing. Like, whereas the imagination stuff is kind of a little bit less tangible and, like, is super important, like, housing is the kind of equal thing on the other side, which is, like, a tangible thing we have to address now, which draws together all of these issues. Like, it just felt like in every single issue that we were talking about, whether we were talking about climate, whether we were talking about safety, whether we were talking about education, whether we were talking about, um, like, castle feminism, even food sovereignty, in a sense, because there's that element of the land there, like, housing really brings like solves so many issues at once having people having good access to good quality low carbon accessible housing for like cheap and that's just maybe it's it's going to be an election year next year everyone in the UK for those who aren't in the UK and I'm just being like we've got to be pushing for housing as like the number one thing because it keeps being ignored and we're in a housing crisis and it just feels like tangibly there is so much that can be addressed through that as an as a, as a priority issue basically so I was just yeah People have said it before, but I thought we should say it again. No, and it's so true, though, because to be able to live somewhere that you feel safe and comfortable and joyful, not even just safe, but joyful, the way that gives you the headspace to expand radically, like, how can you have the energy to fight any of these fights if you don't have a safe, comfortable, joyful living situation? Like, let's be so for real. Um, and of course there are folks who do it, but it's not something that should ever be expected of someone. So I'm very wrong on this. I'm like housing, especially in coming from the student movement, it's often seen as something that's like, oh, students are just complaining about X, Y, Z. Student housing is something you should have to deal with. Um, but I was really glad that, shout out the then president of 
NUS Scotland, Matt, my good friend and comrade, did a, he did a survey and research around student housing and student homelessness because a lot of people, you know, if they're couch surfing or they're like having to be between places, they don't necessarily call it homelessness because, oh, you're a student, like that's student life, you're just da 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 da. But like taking, realizing the reality that a lot of young people, are finding themselves homeless um, and not necessarily calling it homelessness, but it is homelessness. It's something that we really re- need to reckon with as a society. And like a lot of queer young people are being removed from their homes and being made homeless. And a lot of people who are trying to break out of unsafe situations, particularly a lot of women or feminine folks are, you know, having to leave unsafe situations. Do you know what I mean? Like, housing links into everything, as you say. And, yeah, just shout out Matt for that research because it's just not taken seriously for students and young people a lot of the time. Like, it's just seen as part of the course of, like, being young. And it shouldn't be. Like, it really shouldn't be. So, yeah, man, housing ahead of the next election. Let's get into it. I'm excited. Maybe that could be in series two. Maybe a little cheeky housing justice episode. 100%. Let's get properly into it and figure out what we can like how we can mobilize really effectively around it because I'm part of a tenants union but I really do need to be getting more involved and yeah again everyone join a union and also join a tenants union I'm assuming everybody who's listening to this is renting because (laughs) that's just sort of life so join a tenants union as well protect yourself protect your communities etc find your local acorn London renters union yada 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 they're the best I think that's like all my thoughts I had so far on this season is there anything else you wanted to 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 shout out before we we close today no i think we wrapped that up beautifully i'm so happy we did this little wrap-up episode but why don't we let people know what's coming next yes um this was kind of the end of season one and thank you all for being here with us um, but as a delicious treat, we have two guest episodes coming out over the next couple of weeks. We'll be handing the reins over to another member of the Shadow Editorial team, the brilliant Tamara Almonte, creator and host of the podcast Race These Verdes. I'm going to butcher that pronunciation, sorry. Uh, a platform dedicated to validating, archiving and sharing the experiences of racialized peoples, reconnecting with their green roots. These two episodes, I like, oh, I think they're just so beautiful. They're conversations between native storytellers talking about their practices their histories their contexts um it's really like a beautiful sharing of intergenerational knowledge and i think it's a really important listen for anyone who's interested in storytelling and fiction as a mode for exploring histories redefining realities and building strong movements and i think it really elevates some of the conversations that we've had this season like it take we're here and they just take it to the next level but like the things we've been talking about today about the importance of radical imagination, of, of living relationally, like radical love with each other and the land, with seeds. I think they particularly really build on our food sovereignty and solar punk episodes, kind of drawing on these like incredible native storytellers and their decades of work using storytelling in their particular context and everything that they've learned from that and have to share, which is loads. And they're really hopeful, beautiful episodes as well. So I think it's a it's a really nice way to tie it off. Um, so check out those coming out over the next couple of weeks and I think the last thing I want to say is thank you so much to our editor Carla and to Hannah and Izzy the co-founders of Shadow who've supported us through this if we've been like messing about and getting confused they're absolute saints and angels so thank you guys for your support and just thank you also to everyone who has listened because like I think 
from both of us, this was a real, there was a lot of trial and error. There was a lot of, you know, we'll just figure out what we're doing. And I'm really grateful to have been a part of it and to, you know, alongside a wonderful co-host, Zoe, because this journey and the trust that we've been given from, as you say, Izzy and Hannah, um, and the support we've been given by Carla, it's given us this space to, like, remember what it is to, like, be a dreamer. And, like, I just, ah, I love it so much. And just remembering that through what we're doing, through our organising, whatever whatever topic it's on, whatever thematic area we're in, whatever struggle we're part of, like, all of us collectively through our organising are just strengthening this pathway and, and willing this uh, reimagined world into existence together. And to, to get to talk about that... Um, has been real, real fun, and I'm very grateful to have done it alongside Zoe. Back at you, babes. And as always, thoughts, feelings, also things you hated about this podcast, things you loved about this podcast, things you'd like to see potentially in the future from this podcast. What are the issues? I want the things you hated. <laughs> I want to hear it. Haters, come at us. We're ready. If you, yeah, and any also, if there are big issues that you feel like you'd want us to get guests on to unravel or anything that you think we should be getting into and trying to tackle do let us know either on our socials on instagram shadow.mag or on email via shadowmagpodcast at gmail.com we're always really interested to hear from you and i think with that it's bye for now see you thanks guys